0: Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. has
2: a chance to write
3: his name in Town Legend.
0: Not good enough. Not my words, but they belong to another Mash slash man that we'll talk about. It's the warm-up episode 131. It's your host, Brady Frost, and Tom Bradshaw is with me once again. Tom, how are you doing, and have you been tempted to use that tweet out of context at all? Uh, Not yet, but
2: I mean, there's plenty. I've I've got something in the line of um, one of his little stories he told on BBC Radio Leeds, so... Watch out on Twitter for that because that might be quite funny.
0: Oh, um, oh, you've yeah. got me excited! You got me excited. Yeah. Um, something else that's excited me is we're joined by Elliot Jackson for this one, host of the Championship Chat and Blackburn Rovers reporter for the Lancashire Telegraph. Elliot, how are you doing?
3: That was a that was a lovely segue, I have to say.
0: Thank
3: you. Uh, yes, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? Thank you for having me back.
0: It's all right. I'm good. Um, can't can't escape you with podcasts. I was on yours. You're on mine. That's how it you were. Works.
3: Yeah, we've uh, we've tickled each other's back this weekend, which has been nice.
0: Yeah, How I like <laughs>
3: metaphorically. I yeah,
0: <laughs> just just met- metaphorically, we should say we have been doing it over Zoom. Although you know, you know, if we're my in arm, person, I'm quite
3: tall to be fair. My arms might be long enough to reach. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I'm six five. Not that we need to get into this, but you know, oh, I'm six um... six. So, oh, oh. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. okay.
2: I I feel that I'm like about six six one, six two, and I, I feel very small right now. I'll tell you
3: what, <laughs> we we should, if we were playing centre half for Rovers, would they might actually be able to defend some set pieces. <laughs> cool. There you go. I think okay.
0: you're 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 assuming I'm good at defending Elliot, which is is not the case. Let me tell you, It doesn't necessarily need to
3: be the case for an improvement.
0: Well, that's encouraging. That's encouraging. We'll see. Let's get into that then, shall we? Because um, a trip to Lancashire awaits for Huddersfield Town as they face Blackburn, uh, having beaten Rovers 3-0 on Boxing Day. Um, again, another quick turnaround. You always get this game, don't you? Will you play them twice? It's fair to say John Dahl Thomas's team are in a bit of a bad run of form at the moment, seven losses in nine matches, and they have conceded the most goals in the division. Um, Elliot will get your insight in a sec. But Tom, it's not been a great start to this running for town that we talked about, the the one I'll draw at Plymouth that you can hear from the lads reacting to, but are you feeling optimistic about this one and Huddersfield to run? Um,
2: yeah, I think if you're listening to the, if you've listened to the main pod and now you listen to this, I think that question you might as well not ask it me Brady. Cause I don't know if I do feel optimistic after listening to what the lads had to say the other night about um, the reactions to that game and what potentially town have in store for the rest of the season. Um, but uh, if I'm, scratching at the server, like really picking out the tiny positives. I mean, we didn't lose the game. It's another point on the board. Um, I think these teams that we've got coming up, especially the teams below us, it is one of those where you've got to be like, you don't lose it. The The bare minimum is not losing. If you get the draw, then I guess you're still kind of in touching distance with certain teams or they're, they're not making any ground on you, really. Um but yeah, I think given, but we said this about Plymouth, but given Blackburn's form at the moment, I think it's another one where Darren Moore's team have got to be saying, right, come on, let, we, there's a chance here to potentially get three points away, which has been pretty rare for us this season. So um, I'm, I'm not looking forward to it, Brady, but I think there's a chance for town. There is a chance. There's always a chance,
0: Tom. Uh, Elliot, as you probably heard from the pessimistic town fans, uh, including myself and Tom, uh, they'll probably go, "Well, this is a great game for Rovers to to bounce back with." But um, you know, we we talked about Rovers' form. Town have probably got a good chance at getting a result in this one.
3: I definitely think so. I think that. Ultimately, if you're Huddersfield and you're looking at the teams that you're going to have to take points off to to get yourself out of trouble um, and out of form Blackburn Rovers team that's in free fall and 18th in the table, it's got to be the sort of game that you're targeting points from at this stage in the season because when you're 21st in the table, there's not that many teams that realistically you can beat or that you'll fancy yourself to get a positive result about. Um, But the way Rovers are going at the moment, the way they are shipping goals left, right and centre, Huddersfield will feel like it's a great opportunity for them to get points and equally at home to a team that are 21st in the league. Blackburn will see it as an ideal opportunity to get their season back on track as well. So I think we'll have one set of fans probably melt down by the end of um, by the end of full time even if it's a draw maybe both. But yeah, I think both teams will come into it with I'd say confidence but they're both out of form so it's kind of like the reverse of that but but there is some expectation that both could could get a positive result at the weekend which is different from recent weeks
0: yeah it could be a mid-off as the as the kids say online um that's very disrespectful to both teams um <laughs> i suppose tom tom probably going to grill you a little bit um on, on rovers but i'm going to jump in here and wreck the agenda like a, a rich Cosmala does sometimes but um what's what's kind of gone wrong with rovers because again it, you know they started quite well and it just seems like they're, they're spiraling i mean if they lose you know i'm not speaking with town fans here but if they lose 3-0 to us um they're clearly not doing well
3: yeah it's not been going well in december they had a really good november actually and they were on the on the cusp of the playoffs but it's quite simple to be honest blackburn have got an incredibly young squad they've got an, an incredibly thin squad as well and they've had terrible injuries so once the games start to pile up as they do in december particularly around the christmas period the squad just couldn't cope the quality dipped Young players lose confidence and they've not been able to defend all season, to be honest. The the upside earlier in the season was the fact that they were going and playing some excellent football, scoring a lot of goals, but also conceding a lot of goals. So they went to Ipswich and lost 4-3 in a very narrow but very entertaining match. They lost... Four-one home to Leicester, but in a game that wasn't a four-one at all, they were in that right until the last ten minutes, and then Leicester scored two goals at the end to take it away. So they were being very competitive, and they were generally beating the teams that were lower than them in the league. And they were sort of—they've always been in around sort of between eighth and twelfth in the season, but only a couple of points off the playoffs since December hit. And they've, in particular, as I say, the squad's just not been able to cope with the schedule. You've got. The more senior players bang out of form, particularly those at the back, which is sort of the area where Rovers do have the most experience. And then the rest of the team is is full of a lot of young players that naturally are not used to going through runs like this. It's the first season for quite a lot of them breaking through or first senior loans. And therefore, the confidence takes a massive hit when you're on a run like this and they need the senior players to guide them out. But Rovers' most experienced player is 28. Um, and that that is... A very worrying fact, and quite a lot of them have been injured. Sam Gallagher came back at the weekend; um, he's the, he's been out for four months. Joe and Costello played at the weekend for half an hour; he's been out for three months. Hedges has been out for four months. Dolan's still out, and will have been out for two and two and a half months by the time he's back. Um, Ainsley Pears, who started the season as first choice goalkeeper, has been out for four months. So yeah, they've had, they've had bad injuries, which everyone has. I know Huddersfield have obviously had their problems as well, but. That is kind of the crux of the issue, and and then in terms of on the pitch, it's it's defending. And um, they've conceded fifty two goals in twenty seven games, nearly averaging two a game across the entirety of the season. They've conceded two or more goals in ten of their last eleven games, and particularly from set pieces, they have just got no ability to to defend them with any confidence. They went to West Brom at the weekend, aside particularly good at home, particularly good at set pieces. And they score, if, you know, from a long throw-in which bounces in the six-yard box before it's headed in at the back post. The goalkeeper's been really, really poor in the last month, particularly Leopold Walstead. I, I personally think he won't be in the goal at the weekend. I think Pairs has had 221 games where he's played 90 minutes in the last sort of ten days, so I kind of expect a change in goal. So I think it was it was the October the first against Leicester where Pears um, broke his metatarsal, so that'll be his first competitive game for three and a half months so that's one to keep an eye out on and yeah, defensively they've just really really struggled and and the injuries coupled with the fixture congestion has just really really seen them fall into go into free fall
0: Mm, encouraging well i suppose if you if you're a town fan that's kind of music to to your ears really um tom i'm we normally do a fan phoning uh i'm gonna Uh, pass the hosting duties to you here and Elliot although you've given a lovely answer for two minutes uh, I would describe this as grilling time wouldn't you agree Tom?
2: I would but I'd also say that Elliot has almost answered every question in that (laughs) brilliant monologue there but um, I guess one thing you didn't really touch on I guess during this pretty terrible run for Blackburn given the circumstances I think I think one thing as well that's amazing about the league this season is the fact that Blackburn were right up there and in the space of a month they've they're potentially on the precipice of getting dragged into some sort of relegation battle. Um, It's so tight this year, isn't it? But I guess during that run, has anyone kind of kept the form up? Is there anyone still performing in the squad that you think could hurt
3: town yeah, day. Sam Smoddix, obviously, as the Championship's top goalscorer. His his levels haven't dipped. He's been the, the the beacon of light. He's been the leader for this team, the talisman, um, all season since Ben Burrott Diaz left in the summer on a free transfer. He's really stepped up to the plate. Didn't play at the weekend due to illness. Fully expect him um, to be recovered and ready to play against Huddersfield at the weekend. It, he has been really, really, really top draw for Rovers. The way he's... He didn't have the greatest debut season. You know, he came in for not an, an insignificant fee either from Peterborough, having scored seven goals for a team relegated to League One. Bradley Dack was just back fit, massive Rovers fans' favourite. And there was a lot of questions whether he was good enough to usurp Dack really, because Dack wasn't really getting a look in under Thomason. And, you know, he got dropped at the start of 2023 and he wasn't playing. And then he came back into the team. And ever since then, it's really clicked for him. He had a really good end to last season. And then this season, he's been fantastic. He, he really is. He's now vice-captain since Lewis, uh, Travis mo- moved on in, in January on loan to Ipswich. So he's he's taken more of a leadership role as well as one of the more experienced players at 28. And his finishing's come on so well. And probably the biggest thing that he offers Rovers, which which they really did miss at the weekend, is so so good at, at runs at making runs in behind. So he doesn't play up front. He's, he's, he's a number 10. He very much plays... Uh, drops deep, comes to link. He plays almost as a third, third central midfielder, playing that sort of left number eight channel, or as a number ten. Um, but he, but he's constantly probing and going beyond the the back line, so it stops anyone from playing uh, a really high line. And that, and they didn't have that the weekend at West Brom. So West Brom literally shoved up right to the halfway line, and that means obviously you can press Rovers really high because they do want to play out from the back. But if you've got nothing running behind you, you can just stand on the halfway line, press the opposition. Uh, and I think that's what happened a lot, actually, in the reverse fixture where Rovers stopped running in behind and Huddersfield got the tails up, pressed right up the pitch, won the ball back um, really high. And once they went 1-0 up through uh, that Jaheim Headley goal, uh, which was probably the first of Walstead's, uh number of mistakes that we've seen, I thought that was, that was a, again, a key point. They did have Smoddix on the pitch that day, but um, he's really good at running behind, even though he's not a striker. The amount of goals you'll see where he's one-on-one with the goalkeeper or he's, he's sprinting in behind... So he's been fantastic and um, shackling him will definitely be the the biggest task for for Huddersfield.
2: Um,
3: I guess, I mean, Town
2: have struggled, obviously, this season to kind of score goals, basically. Sounds like Blackburn at the moment are struggling from set pieces. Um, And Town, you'd say one of their potential positives is they've got players in that team who, who do fret from corners and free kicks. Um, why why have Blackburn struggled so much recently with that? What's, what's happening there?
3: It's really hard to put your finger on because there's they've had injuries, as I said. Dom Hyman has there; who was their best centre-back, has been injured. He's come back. He hasn't looked great, if I'm being honest. He hasn't looked the same player um, after two months out of an ankle injury. So he's struggling for form. Hayden Carter, who had a brilliant enter last season, struggling for form. Um, and as I say, there has been a lot of chopping and changing because of injuries at the back. But I don't really know. It's hard to say. They've got a goalkeeper that is... Terrible from crosses. Um, you know, Walstead a, had a really good run in December, and, and I think there's a lot to work with there. And he has got some really good qualities. He's really good at playing out from the back. Um, he's a decent shot stopper, but he's always been susceptible from corners, and then that has particularly become a bigger issue. So I think that creates nerves. It creates anxiety, doesn't mm-hmm. it? Especially if you as a defence are struggling and are out of form. So, you know, if I was Huddersfield and Walstead's in goal, I'd be getting Mikael Halleck to, to just stand on him and just whip. Balls at his head and see what happens because that that is honestly the best route to goal against Blackburn at the minute. Teams are not having to carve them open to get an opportunity. They are not having to work hard for their goals. And Blackburn are pretty pretty generous at the moment. Um, so it's hard to put your finger on one exact thing. But I think the goalkeeper, I think injuries and a lack of um, a lack of continuity at the back have, have probably um, probably all sort of come together to to create this big problem for Rovers.
2: Hmm. I mean, it's a bad run, and um, when you look at it in a stats form, um, it's, it's a pretty as bad as what Darren Moore's figures are running at at the moment, um, and mm. there's a lot of town fans kind of calling for his head at the moment. Um, with Dal Thomason, do you think he's in in a bit of a sticky situation? Is Is there calls for him at the moment, or are people more kind of do they realize the situation what he's got to play with with injuries the the how young the squad is that kind of thing as well
3: yeah it's interesting that the narrative's definitely shifted over the last month there's definitely more scrutiny on yon than there was before but i don't think he is ultimately the if you had to list the issues with blackburn rovers he's nowhere near the top of that list because of the main issues that they've got behind the scenes with finance um for that i'll just give a brief overview for those that obviously won't be aware. So Rovers are still owned by Venkis, who you remember um, helped get them relegated from the Premier League, then down to League One. Well, they're still here. Um, they're still in India. They're still paying the checks, or they were until recent. So there was some new le- legislation in India in the, um, with the government, the Indian government putting new tax laws on, any money basically going out of the country to stop, you know, protect their assets ultimately to stop people funneling money abroad. So that's made it incredibly difficult for Rovers um, well, for the Venkis to to put money into Blackburn. So they are still paying the checks. They are still covering costs in terms of um, wages, things like that. There's not been any issues with that. But they're having to go through the high courts of India to push the money through just to fund, um, not talking about transfers. I'm talking about utility bills. I'm talking about player wages, mm. um, the tax man, et cetera. So that's created a real issue because Rovers haven't got much to to play with. They had to cut their budget in the summer by 15%. Um, they're also down on numbers. And as I say, the squad is incredibly young as a result because they promoted Academy graduates to fill those holes. Uh, and the Academy is, you know, it's still a Category 1. It's very much the biggest asset the club has. But that short-term creates problems. And when you've got free plays at 28 and the rest is under, that's a big problem. So there's a lot of unrest about the sort of cash flow problems at the club. Yondal Thompson has been very vocal about that and the need to get some signings in. So you've kind of got an unhappy head coach that's making a lot of comments in the media um, about the need for transfers, the need for experience. You've got a club that just has felt quite disconnected. I think there's always been a, a bit of a disconnect since since they got relegated from the Premier League about attendances, about ticket pricing, about comms at the club. And so I think Jon coming in has almost papered over those cracks because he did such a great job. To finish seventh and miss out on goal difference was a massive overachievement last year. And what he's done to have them near the playoffs this season has again been a massive overachievement. This is probably the first time in his Blackburn career in 18 months where you'd say he's probably underachieving at the moment or certainly, um, certainly the worst run they've been on under him. That's for sure. So he had a lot of, he had a lot of credit in the bank. And there's a lot of mitigating factors where he can point to this, this and this, and this is why this is happening. I think a lot of the fans are starting to go a bit frustrated because I think they would like him to take a little bit more responsibility. But there is no doubt that the issues he points to are completely valid and fair. But there is also an argument, and again, a valid one, that he isn't doing enough to arrest the slide at the moment. And perhaps there's more he could be doing. So Mm -hmm. there's not really much scrutiny I don't expect him to get sacked I don't think Rovers could afford to sack him potentially even if they wanted to but I don't think he is an issue he is the issue at the club ultimately the problem is if this result obviously if it keeps coming and coming the only thing you can change is the head coach Um, so there's a there's a lot of pressure they've got four home games in a row now starting with Huddersfield they play QPR they play Stoke and they've got an FA Cup tie with Wrexham if you can't get your season back on track with no disrespect to those four teams you are looking at a relegation battle, and I, d- I don't for one second really believe Rovers will go down or get dragged into it. But the form is relegation; like it's relegation form at the moment. So it's all right me saying that, but until something changes, then then ultimately you have to view it that they're in big trouble at the moment.
2: Yeah, it can move quick, can't it? As well, I think you um, you don't really I like we're saying how tight it's been this year, and especially with kind of Wednesday really picking up a bit of form. Mm-hmm. all of a sudden that gap's getting smaller and if somehow town pick up a bit of form um we were last week we were talking to um gab Sutton about this and it's like yeah. you've got you look at those teams above town at the moment and really kind of blackburn and maybe preston are, are on that kind of downward trajectory at the moment with the form they're in and things and the other ones maybe you think are gonna that's a big game the qpr and stoke and obviously town big games in the league aren't they um Absolutely. and then a good cup run's always good, isn't it? But when you're welcoming bum in Hollywood, uh, it's going to be uh, yeah, it's interesting. Be seven
3: thousand—they've yeah, just released it. They've got seven thousand away allocation in the right. in, uh, in the Darwin, <laughs> in, so that's gonna—that'll yeah, be a lively one on a, that's a Monday night. That so that's a week on Monday. Yeah, is that on TV as well? They moved for BBC Wales, um, right. so that's why right, it's on. So it's not been picked by BBC or ITV, but it's on yeah. BBC Wales, so it's a Monday night job. Yeah, cool. Um, finally, a
2: quick one. That's one of the best uh, views from the other side we ever had, Brady, that in it? Uh, score, score prediction. Oh, no, we'll do that at the end. So, actually, sack that. We'll do that at the end, won't we? There we go. Thanks, Elliot. Nice one. There we Lovely. go. Nice.
0: Nice. Well, I'll give you a bit of a breather, Elliot, because that was very thorough, um, which we appreciate. It is time for Quan's question. So, um, I didn't actually do this as Quan's question. I tweeted it out. Um, you know, I don't know. Anyway, doesn't matter. We asked you a question. Uh, It was ahead of the previous show. we want to know. Saturday was obviously the club's uh, women at the game, dedicated fixture, highlighting female inclusion. So we want to know what female friend, family member, or partner you go to the game with and why you're giving them a shout-out. It doesn't necessarily have to be town because some of the responses we got weren't town. But um, I just thought things are a bit doom and gloom, so let's have a bit of positivity, shall we? So we'll kick off with this one first. Uh, Andy Firth, he says... I go to every game with my wife and 24-year-old daughter, both both proud Terriers. My daughter is very passionate and knowledgeable about football, great understanding and in-depth insight, a genuine fan of men and women games, and frustratingly always beats me at fantasy football. Uh, I like that. <laughs> the, uh, Joff Ward says, my daughter Annabelle is a season ticket holder for the first time this year. Clearly, the sport is still male-dominated, so I'm proud she feels comfortable at the John Smith Stadium and hope she continues to love it and Huddersfield Town. And uh, Scott Bradley says, I take my mum, who is tagged in this, uh, loves to watch the football and socializing before and after the game too. So that's nice and wholesome. Or as um some town fans will probably say, Brady continues his woke agenda. Uh Tom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> <in> <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, it can be both. What's wrong with what's wrong with positivity? It was Blue Monday the other day. So uh yeah. Um Tom, what's your, you know, who do you want to give a shout out?
2: Well, I, I, firstly, I wouldn't be calling Brady work when he's sitting here wearing a bearskin jumper. Then, yeah, 100%. come on, that's far from it, isn't it? Um, but I, I probably uh, only, I well, maybe not only a town, but me, me, grand moved to Huddersfield about fifty, sixty years ago or something, um, and she started taking my dad to watch town, so. Um, if it wasn't for her, I might not be a town fan. You never know. Um, so, yeah, I sat with her when I was living up in Udersfield, used to go to the games with her, sit with her, my dad. Um, then my sister would come quite a few times. Um, yeah, but Granny B, big shout-out to, to Granny B, who uh, I think when we got promoted to the Prem, I think we worked it out. She'd been going for something like 55 years or something like that, which... Um, is uh, yeah, fair play, well done. Takes a lot, doesn't it, to uh, stick around with town for that long.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolute truth. I think she should get a medal. Um, <laughs> now, <laughs> fantastic, um, Elliot. What about you? We're having a bit of a um, interesting one before we recorded. What's your What's your story?
3: Yeah, so my I don't have um, I don't have anyone particularly in the family that's that's a massive football fan. Despite obviously my career and and my passion, it's mainly come through my dad and through. Um, other male family members, however, um, I do have a one-year-old daughter who I will be absolutely booking that trend with, whether she likes it or not, um, so I'm looking forward to that. She can't walk at the moment, so Project LMY White is currently uh, on pause, but we will be working towards that. But I did manage to convince my wife to go to Wembley um, the day after I got married in the summer, because um, for those that don't know, I'm a Sheffield Wednesday fan, and I wasn't expecting to need to do this because they quite famously lost 4-0 in the first leg to Peterborough. Um they then went and uh, obviously the miracle of Hillsborough, Darren Moore of course in charge, uh, beat Peterborough 5-1 on penalties, um and then got to Wembley. Um we were getting married on Sunday the 28th of May and that game was then arranged against Barnsley of course where I actually live to make it uh, to add another layer to this. Um for the 29th. So, I managed to convince my wife to come with me. So we went to Wembley the day after we got married. We got married in York. Um, so we got the train about 11 o'clock in the morning the day after our wedding to, to Wembley, um, straight down to King's Cross and then uh, got the tube over. Um, and she'd only ever been to one other Wednesday game. I took her the last game of last season at Derby as well uh, with a very small chance that Wednesday could have still got autos at that point. Um and yeah, I managed to convince her to do that there was the allure of a of a trip to a Gordon Ramsay restaurant and a and a hotel stay in London afterwards. But she thoroughly enjoyed it in fairness. And I definitely think if something like that happened again, she'd definitely come back with me. Um, but given my job, I've not had that many opportunities to go back myself either this season. So yeah, that's probably the best story I've got. But yeah, I'm definitely will be booking the trend with uh with Maya, who, as I say, is uh i keep telling her when when the tv changes, she plays with the remote and when it you know it just happens to fall onto football league highlights i'm telling her it's it's a sign <laughs> yeah
0: no i like it i like it and like you say your wife totally loves you if she's going the day after and and it was a positive result for you so all that, her I
3: family think... are wednesday nights as well so she she everyone was going so I, a bit of peer pressure played its part there as well
0: <laughs> hey not wrong with that if it's channelled <laughs> in the right way fair enough um yeah i'll, I'll probably shout out I love for this. Um, I feel like I really catfished her with football because when we started dating, um, I think I've said this before on the pod, but um it was the week I think it was like the one of the first weeks we were like um like, you know, meeting up and stuff and uh it was the week where Liverpool did that amazing comeback against Barcelona and um obviously Tottenham did the same thing with Ajax 32 2 in the last minute and she saw me going like oh my God this is incredible this is incredible she was like oh I'd really like to go to a game with you so we went to Huddersfield Town Reading uh obviously <laughs> another <laughs> another Dynamite game uh it was 2019 Mark Hudson was in temporary charge uh we lost 2-0 and <laughs> I remember the most exciting thing sorry are you was- still together <laughs> we yeah. I I mean, yeah. Uh, she must love me. But with that, um, the most exciting thing was Phil Hodgkinson got booed at full time. <laughs> That's the most exciting thing I'll I know. Um, to be fair, she's still come to games with me, and um, my sister's just got a job in sports, and she's been um, coming to quite a few games. We went to see Wakefield AFC. This is Nostal Miner's Welfare. Uh, and she got right stuck in. So, um, yeah, she's proper going a bit hardcore with the football now. So, yeah, um, that's why we wanted to do it. It's about who you go to the game with, um, particularly when town aren't doing the best. It's uh, it's about who you go with. I think it's important to remember that. Speaking of which, if you go into the game this weekend, the away game, you probably have time to get an order in from Magic Rock Brewing, who are our sponsors for this one. Don't forget, you can get 10% off any orders you do online with us with our code ahtc 10 uh, don't and yeah, you'll see it on the bottom if you're watching on YouTube. Right, what we're going to do then is we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back and we'll talk about Huddersfield.
1: Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver-assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times.
3: Cozzy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old-school stadium. You're right near the pitch. Great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's.
1: Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You win... Order now on the McDonald's app.
3: At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
0: Gentlemen, right. We've had some positivity before the break. Uh, I don't think it's going to be so positive now because we kind of do have to address the main talking point. Um, No, I'm not going to ask you about Kevin Nagel's video where it looks like he's in a, a CD lounge talking about his tweet. I'm going to ask you about... Darren Moore, because Elliot, your podcast, the Championship t- chat, did a tweet that seems to catch the attention of Town fans. So I'm going to highlight it here. Uh, it is Darren Moore's record in charge of Huddersfield Town in all competitions thus far. So I'm, here it is Played 21, won three, drawn nine, lost nine, goals for 19, goals against 38, clean sheets, three. Uh, and it ends the tweet with saying, How much longer can the Terriers afford to give the 49 year old? thinking emoji like that. Uh, so, Elliot, that's my question. As a
3: neutral, we're going to get Tom and my
0: thoughts. But um, what do you think?
3: Typical engagement bait, that thinky face, isn't it? I, I blame George for that. I take no responsibility for that tweet. Um, yeah, that's not good, is it? Like, when it's spelled out like that, that's just it's just not good, is it? Three wins in, in 21 is pretty horrendous. We, we were talking about this a little bit on the pod yesterday, weren't we, Brady, that it's just the draws that have, have sort of killed Huddersfield a little bit. When we think about the relegation picture in, in total, you know, Sheffield Wednesday obviously the form team, sort of down in the bottom third at the moment. And they've just been on a on a run of five wins and eight in the league. I don't think Huddersfield have got a run of five wins and eight in them at the moment, certainly with the current squad. And that is probably the biggest concern. Do I think Huddersfield could go five games unbeaten? Yeah, I do. But there'll probably be three draws in there. And at this point, you're almost better losing games, but winning them because draws don't really get you anywhere. It doesn't build much momentum it doesn't build much feel good I mean if you want to flip that stat on their head they've only they've lost what what is that just over 30 percent of their games under Darren Moore that's not horrendous for a team in the bottom four but it's the, the lack of wins that is what does you and the lack of goals as well and as I say as a, as a Wednesday fan pretty well uh tuned in with Darren Moore's tactics it's never going to be glamorous football it's going to be more efficient I don't think Huddersfield have got the best squad you know I came on probably what couple of months ago now and said similar. I still believe it still is. They probably are where they should be relative to the squad, but there is a way to do this. And, and again, we were discussing this on the pod yesterday that I do think there is a growing um, shift in mentality of football fans where results will always be the the be all and end all ultimately. But the amount of fans I think that are willing to compromise slightly on results in exchange for good football, I think is a, definitely a growing trend. I don't know whether it's because of the cost of living crisis and so ticket prices are more expensive. And people want to go to football to be entertained. And I think that is a growing trend within football. You look at someone like Preston at the moment, there's a lot of discontent with Ryan Lowe. Are Preston underachieving? Not really. They're about where they should be. Albeit they start the season really well, then had a terrible run of form. But if you jumbled the results up, they're about where they should be. The problem is... They're not going up, they're not going down, and they don't play great football. And I think if you look at Plymouth, for example, and I know, Brady, you were saying it wasn't a great game at the weekend against Huddersfield. Plymouth are in a very similar position to Huddersfield, but it's a completely different mood because they go and score goals. They're brilliant at home park, and they've got attack exciting attacking players. They're they're a lot poorer than Huddersfield are at the back, but they'll go and win games 4-3 rather than draw one all, which is what Huddersfield are doing at the moment. And I think that is where the... The discontent comes from Huddersfield Town fans. It's the draws, it's the style of football, it's the it's the blandness. It's it's a bit mundane, isn't it? But at the same time, the squad is full of bland, mundane players in 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 bulk. And I'm not saying there isn't times where Darren Moore can get more out of the team and whether the formation is really suited to the players he's got, I think is debatable, given you've only really got one striker available. Um so, yeah, that, that's kind of where I'm at. I'm kind of like, I understand why fans would be quite apathetic and quite bored, but at the same time, I don't really think he's, he's performing that horrendously versus what I would expect them to be achieving with the squad they've got.
0: Mm, no, it's a good point. I suppose, if, as Tom kind of touched on earlier in the pod, there, there is pressure. Um Certainly, some fans have had enough with him and, and think he should go. Kevin Nagel... Has come out and said, you know, quite defiantly that that's not going to happen. Not at this moment, anyway. I mean, do you think it, if it carries on like this, there's kind of no option. I mean, even if for whatever reason they, you know, they do stay out of the relegation zone, say Wednesday don't, you know, don't continue that momentum and they finish twenty first. Do you do you think there's an argument to say more should go based on what we've seen so far?
3: Not if they stay up. I think there's an argument that he should have a full summer to... If if you give him a three-year contract, I, I do think you should believe in that. You know, you've given him a three-year contract. He's not done anything that we didn't expect. Like, he was never going to produce swashbuckling football and, and he's not got a track record of instantly improving players. Um, there's not loads of players at Sheffield Wentz where he can say that they instantly improve. What you can say is over time, he managed upwards very well, which he had to do with Day Chan-Siri, was an absolute nutcase. And clearly, Kevin Nagel, I'm not comparing the two, but probably there is a bit of management upstairs as well, because I'm sure he wouldn't appreciate, while he'll never say in the media, tweets at full time, screaming, this is not good enough. Now, he can play it off in the media and say it's everyone associated with the Huddersfield Town Badge. It don't look great. It's not good optics, is it, for for your owner to be tweeting about the team, the manager. It increases the pressure. But he is very good at managing upwards. He's very good at stabilising a club and growing sustainably and slowly. And unfortunately, as boring as that is, it's probably what Huddersfield need. So if you've given, you, you, if you're going to have strength in your conviction and give him a three-year deal, then I think you kind of have to see that through. If they stay up, Now, if they go down, then you could argue that that maybe is a slight underachievement. Although, to be honest, I had them, I had them staying up in my predictions at the start of the season, but that was mainly down to Neil Warnock and mainly down to how bad I knew Sheffield Wednesday, QPR and Rotherham were, who were my bottom three and obviously the current bottom three. I think Wednesday are a better side than Huddersfield under Danny Real personally, at the moment. Whether they can make that points difference up and whether January impacts both teams, I don't know at this point. But Darren Moore has also then got a history of stabilising and getting a club out of League One. So, I don't know. It depends what Huddersfield Town fans want. And I am not here to stand on a soapbox and tell them that they should put up with being bored at football because it's an entertainment business and you go to be entertained but the honest reality is this is kind of what I expected from Darren Moore this is kind of what he does but you probably will see more success than failure over long term it's whether you want to bite the bullet or not because it can be like pulling teeth at times mm-hmm. good
0: point and, and Tom I suppose I'll ask you. You've heard what Elliot said. Are you, are you willing to bite the bullet? I, I'm not going to... I don't have to out what you said in the chat, but you were very frustrated after after the draw at the weekend.
2: Um, I think the... I mean, Elliot's talking about, yeah, the entertainment value and stuff. Town fans have probably been bored at football games since 2017, since the year we got promoted with Wagner, when we saw that. Gengen pressing stuff because we, as soon as we got promoted we had a few games where he went full throttle but then I think he realised you can't do that in the Premier League against certain teams it got a lot more conservative and then since Wagner it's been I mean Carlos Cobran so you, you look it's you enjoy it when you win it's like with Warnock when Warnock was winning it was very direct it was still exciting football but Town hardly saw any of the ball but because it was direct and we were winning you kind of get on board with it but when it's just I think the one thing that's kind of keeping more in as well is these we're going about these draws. I think the the draws are keeping him in at the moment for me because like you say it's, it's not a loss, is it? It it if you're selling it as he's only lost basically what forty percent of his games so far, then um it does not sound doesn't sound terrible. <laughs> um <sighs> It's such a difficult thing because I would like to put up with it and I would like to see someone in that role for three or four years for once rather than it being a year to two years and then they're gone. Um, I just think he's lost a lot of fans already. Um, and that that's my worry. I d- the way he's playing, the way the football is being played at the moment, you're not going to get him back anytime soon because unless he starts winning. That's the only solution because the football isn't exciting. No, no one's come away from that game on Saturday saying they've enjoyed it, to be honest, are they? <laughs> so, um, I just, I, I, I think for me still, for, I, it's another one as well, Brady, who do you, who are you bringing in that you think is going to change? What town, what, Town are going to end up doing at the end of the season and you can't say Neil Warnock
0: <laughs> I don't know because you see again I don't think these are realistic but obviously like I've seen Paul Heckingbottom and John Eustace be mentioned but I don't know if they take that
3: project and I, I agree with that, be uh, surprised. you wouldn't be surprised? I would be surprised if either of those two were interested if I'm being completely honest but yeah.
2: I, on- I honestly don't think those two come in and do any better with the squad. That this Darren is why. I've this is my main point, with. I agree with
3: you. I think the squad, you can't overlook that the squad is, is not a great squad. There's not a lot of guaranteed goals in that squad. And, and I think the only argument you can make is, I'm not sure why they're playing 3-5-2 when they've got a squad where the most exciting players in attack are probably wingers. I think that's where Darren Moore probably should be looking at the squad and going, this is what suits my players better, rather than this is the system I play, and people need to fit to that because playing karoma and thomas with the back to goal is not not getting the best out of their skill set and there is a world where you can develop josh karoma and he, he has been a 10 15 go- goal as a wide forward in a 433 whether that exposes you too much defensively is is, is a debate but that would there, there is ways that this team could be more attacking and and, and potentially could use the tools it has got better
0: yeah yeah, it's it's hard. I mean, I'm probably going to repeat myself for anyone who listened to to the championship chat. But what I'm struggling with is difficult to. It's difficult to form an opinion on Darren Moore because I think there's so many excuses. Like I, I, I'm not sure about you, Tom, but I can't really work out if he's good and good enough or not because I just think there's so many things you can point to to excuse it away. It's almost, you know, yeah, we've had twenty over twenty games uh, with him in charge, but. I just think it's like you said. I don't know anyone who comes in with the squad the way it is. And you look at the injuries. I remember Stephen Chicken did a did something in the We Are sub-stack sub about like the amount of people were missing. And it's like a it's quite a strong eleven. It's arguably not Town starting eleven, but that you know they're players who would come in and play minutes. And you know you wouldn't um, you know maybe not so much the key players, but you could swap certain positions. And you know I could arguably be Town's strongest side. I just. Yeah, it's hard because there's a lot of excuses to make. And I think the, we've all kind of said it, but the, the difficulty is it's just years of underinvestment catching up with us, you know. And he's kind of, you know, same with Nagel. Um, I do agree with you, Elliot, that I I don't think that helps. I, I think it's good that he Nagel comes out and, you know, is very vocal with Towns and, and fans like to see that. But then also I do think, however you mean it, Tweeting not good enough at, at full time is um, yeah it's you're frustrated. Problems, is it? It's, it's not, not, not the way you go about it. it. I, in my opinion, it's not the way you go about it. So I just think that's pandering. I'd argue that's pandering to the fans a little bit, and it undermines the manager. Like, look, and at the moment, some town fans will be like, "Well, I don't care because like we don't like Darren Moore, so you can undermine mm-hmm. it." But I don't think that's good in my opinion. So it's it's difficult. I think the only way that it gets fixed is, you know, Nagel talked about having six signs by the end of January. We do need four. Like, you know, I just, that Plymouth game for me, it was so obvious that um, we needed a striker. And then there's, there's, you've signed a guy, again, I think this is the thing people are trying to say, like, oh, he's that injured, like, what's going on in the town? The guy hasn't played proper minutes since October. And like we're in a situation where a, a striker who we've signed who hasn't played since October is to come in and be the person mm. to fix it. No wonder he's going to pick up an injury. Championship's a tough, tough division. Sounds like he's going to be alright for this game, but it was just so obvious. And there's, I looked at that, that bench. You know, the worst thing we could do is concede, and we kind of just kept lumping it forward. And there was a foul in the build-up for our goal, but even there, you look at that bench and you're like, who's going to come on to change it? Like, they, there's just no options. So. I don't think the football has been inspiring. And like you say, Elliot, you told us when, when we had you on previously, it wasn't going to be, but I just don't know. It's the squad. It's really the squad. I, you know, I know we people have said Neil Warnock got a good job, but like I think the squad's weaker than what Warnock had in, in some respects.
2: So and I, th- I think with Marlow Brady as well, you look at the three other jobs he's had, and he's had for the level they've been at as well, he's had squads that. A competitive in those divisions and he's done really well there and it's that's the kind of that's the thing in the back of my mind where i think you you do you you do stick with him and give him time and give him a, a proper window because look like, you hold your hands up town potentially are going to go down this year i think really realistically if if it's got to be four very good signings coming in now that really change this squad um but then it's this summer where you've you give him potentially give him that summer to build the squad that he he can work well with um because i mean i'll just go back to I, I just don't know who i'd who town are getting in that do any better at the moment we can't just keep going season to season bringing in a neil warnock to keep us up at the, do you know what i mean to keep us up last minute Say like yeah, town bring. Oh no, I'm trying to think of someone who's at Gary Rowett or something. Yeah, like Gary Rowett might come in, and because I feel like he does that at clubs, he comes in as a good like two or three seasons, good start. So yeah, uh, it's it's so it's so difficult at the moment because of the years of just boring football we've already had ahead of this.
0: Yeah, I mean Elliot. You know, obviously we're we're town fans and we're biased, but I, I, I just think, and maybe it's me being pessimistic, but I think you might agree with me. I just don't think it's an attractive job at the moment either. Like even whoever comes in, I, I don't think it's a particularly attractive one. and I'm not sure they could do a better job.
3: It's not an attractive squad to work with, I don't think. I don't think you immediately look at that squad and think it's underperforming, which is what most managers would like to think when they're coming into a job where a manager's been sacked. Um... As I said, I do think maybe you could utilise the players that are at your disposal better with a formation change because, as I said, I don't think 3-5-2 particularly suits Huddersfield. You know, you don't have a natural left centre-back if, um, if Nakatoma's uh, not fit. Um, they've obviously got Helic, who's pretty perfect for the middle. They've just not got the, the wide for. They've got wide forwards in the squad um, and they haven't got strikers like they've not got strikers it just doesn't that that's the bit that doesn't make sense i think gary route's probably not a bad shout for one person that might take it and might be able to stabilize and keep you up but it's getting it's not gonna be it's not gonna be great football like it's not gonna be it depends what what do you want as a huddersfield fan and i, I can't tell you what the answer to that is because ultimately it's specific all i can say is i do think there's a shift as i say in mentality and fans are starting to want more entertainment as much as results it's really, it's really difficult. I don't think, it's, it's not a badly sized club for the championship. It's, it's you know, Yorkshire teams are always very well supported. Um, I do think that there's a lot of good infrastructure at Huddersfield, but we don't really know enough about the owner to say how much is he going to get backed, whoever would come in, how much influence can he have, because he's given more a three-year deal. So I suppose if he's not going to back darren moore in the transfer market then why would he go and back another manager almost you've got to go on the evidence you've got and if they don't have a good january then there's not much suggestion to say well if they brought someone else in the summer if they do stay up then they'll have a really good go at, and it'll be different because why would it be different it would do it with darren moore you've given darren moore a 3 year deal so clearly you think he's the right man so you would chuck out all your eggs at that basket to make it a success wouldn't you
0: yeah and it's a classic thing it's like if you sack him early, that just reflects poorly on you. Even though Darren Moore, like there is calls, I think if Nagel sacks him after getting rid of Neil, um, Mm -hmm. that looks poorly on him. Whereas in the summer, perhaps that's that's different. So no, it's it's a really good point. I suppose, Tom, was there anything you wanted to add before I kind of moved on to our score predictions? No, (laughs) no, it's, it's a difficult one. I suppose the only positive we can say is, you know, I think... Nagel, I do think his heart's in the right place. I think it's just it's probably adjusting to the football. And it's the same with managers, to be fair, even Darren Moore. Like you know, I know it's when you're a new coach, you don't want to come in and be like, I'm gonna play turd up horrible football. Of course you're gonna say I'm gonna play exciting attacking football, but I would say every manager that's probably come in has said that. And I just don't think we have the players to do that to win games. Look at Carlos Colbrand. We were talking about that yesterday earlier. Mm-hmm. That's a classic example. I'm gonna play similar to Bielsa. Oh wait, I don't have the squad for it, so I'm going to be defensively solid and try and. I don't think a big part of it. Yeah, so I don't know. We'll see, but you know, maybe we're talking a bit more positively on, yeah. on in, uh, at the start of February with the Simons, Who knows? Uh, let's come back to this game then, Elliot. What is the best way for Town to approach this match to get a win? You talked about the set pieces, but what are kind of Blackburn's weaknesses?
3: Yeah, lob a lot of balls into the box. A lot of set pieces at the goalkeeper. Get uh, Mikael Helik to go stand on Leopold Walstead if he's in goal and just chuck a load of set pieces. Gen- genuinely, that like teams do not have to work hard to cut Blackburn open at the minute. I don't mm-hmm. think Huddersfield particularly have the players to to play swashbuckling football, but Rotherham don't either. And they went and got a two-all draw because the goalkeeper had a very good game. Victor Hansen, who's one of the best goalkeepers in the league, they scored at good times. One of them was a howler from the goalkeeper from a corner, and the other one was a cross into the box, which Tom Eves headed in. That is genuinely the best way to expose them. They've got a soft centre. Rovers will be the better team. They'll play lovely football. They'll probably score. It's whether they score enough goals for the dominance in open play versus how soft they are from set pieces, corners, balls into the box. And, and that's how the game will go. Rovers will dominate the game. They'll have all the ball. They'll create chances. They'll be the better team, in, in inverted commas. But if they don't defend the box well enough, Huddersfield can cause them problems.
0: There we are, Tom um I got I, I have a friend who's so croat and she she uh ripped me for how I pronounce our new striker so I'm going to call him uh uh you know Radars, as we're him. yeah he's got a start I mean even if he's you know I know it's a precaution um but you just we, we need a striker. you know um I'm, I'm sure you say share the same sentiment with that
2: yeah I think when you look at the the highlights from um his his other clubs the and you, you're looking at what, what can hurt Blackburn on Saturday. Some of the headed goals he's scored this season, absolutely awesome. So you'd just be throwing him on for that, just for the set pieces, maybe saying, if you need to take it easy, doing all the other work, take it easy. But as soon as we get in that box, yeah, um, do what you've, you've been doing in the last few years. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, hopefully he's fit, Brady.
0: Hopefully he's fit. If not, let's you don't hear the magic sponge much anymore. Let's hope, uh, let's hope we can help <laughs> one of them. Okay, chaps, we we did have some mailbag questions, so let's let's get our match predictions for this one. This will be very telling, and let's have a little bit of fun to end. Uh, Tom, I'll come to you first. What are you going for?
2: Two all and Radars and Helic, another Two draw, all. another more draw, more draw, Darren draws.
0: Um,
3: <laughs> Elliot. I think Rovers will get back on track if I'm being completely honest. I think that Huddersfield will score. I think it will be 2-1 to Rovers. I think that Rovers are a better team than Huddersfield is my honest belief. And even in the games where they've been poor, um, like the Rotherham game, they were the miles better team. They were miles better than Rotherham. It's whether they put the chances in the back of the net and whether Huddersfield get enough set-piece opportunities, balls into the box to cause them issues. You can bully them. I mean, they bullied them at the John Smiths and they beat them 3-0. So I'm sure a lot of people are sat there thinking, I'm a bit overconfident. I don't feel confident about it at all. But I felt as good as Huddersfield were on that day, on Boxing Day, I thought it was as much Rovers being poor and doing just terrible things against the team that was out of form in Huddersfield at the time. Than Huddersfield being brilliant, I think you've really missed org. I don't think he's played, mm-hmm. has he? Since he came off against Rovers, he really caused Rovers a lot of problems. His pace against Carter was a real issue for Rovers. Um, so without him, I think that that weakens Huddersfield undoubtedly. So I'm going to go two one. But again, I, I think this game will be very similar to the Rotherham game that they drew two all on New Year's Day, where they'll have a lot of the ball, they'll create chances, but they're not very they're not very efficient in front of goal. Albeit they've got the Championship's top scorer. There's a lot of pressure. The fans will be on their backs. I'm sure if they don't start well or if they concede a soft early goal. And Huddersfield will naturally, you know, Huddersfield were probably the, I thought Rovers were the, probably the better team in the first 15 minutes at the John Smith Stadium. The difference was Huddersfield got the tails up, started to win a few tackles, scored a goal from a mistake by the goalkeeper and it changes the game and Rovers are very susceptible to that at the minute. So I, I definitely think Huddersfield should have some confidence, but I do think Rovers are the better footballing team and I do think they might, they're going to have to get the season back on track. So whether that's, me hoping so there's not another meltdown that I have to deal with at work, um, or whether it's the reality, I, I think they'll just edge it 2 1.
0: Well, to avoid a meltdown uh, for, for our work, if you like, being this, uh, I'm going to go for uh, 2 1 town, a smash and grab. I think you're exactly right. I think Rovers would be better, but I just, uh, this is the very town you like, talk about how rubbish they are things look annoying and then it's a bit like that Sunderland game that we won 2-1 just get a win and you're like, that's yeah. annoying. That proves everything i have
3: said. It's rubbish. I, so, I think no, the best I, thing I could say for Huddersfield is I wouldn't be shocked if that happened and most of the rest of the season I would have been shocked if they'd gone to Ewood and won and I I do, I do think this is their best chance. If they're going to go and win and beat Blackburn this is their best opportunity to do so. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So uh
0: yeah, I'm going two one. I think is gonna be right up for this resenter, Edward Park. So I, I can I'm backing in to get and then uh I think Tom Lees might score on this one from a set piece. That feels very tall. So yes. Anyway, gents, let's move on to the mailbag. You've got mail. You've probably covered them, but we'll do quickly. Uh Cam Fry, he asks, uh, what impact will the three 0 beating have on Blackburn? Will that be fear or defiance?
3: Um, yeah, I don't know. Jon doesn't tend to put a lot of stock in previous results, albeit usually you're talking something that happened six months ago rather than six weeks ago or not even that. Um, you know, four four weeks ago. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. It's a different game now. I think Rovers still got the same issues. As I suppose they did. Huddersfield, I think naturally playing at home suits Huddersfield probably more than it does away from home. But the same, I suppose the way Huddersfield score their goals will probably be very similar. Uh, maybe there'll be a little bit less spacing behind um, without Bergzorg, um, without his pace to to really exploit that. But I think the goals will come from similar routes if they are to score. So I, I don't know. I think it will, will have some bearing, but I don't think Rovers are going to change how they play because I don't think they'll look at the 3-0 and change their approach because they've, they've, they've not done that all season and that's why they've conceded 52 goals.
0: Yeah, fair. Uh, Joel Garner asked, you kind of touched on this, but do you think Rovers will be dragged right down to the relegation scrap Uh, you talked to? It is relegation form, but yeah, thoughts?
3: No, is my gut feeling. I think they've got a lot of good good players offensively. They've got to sort the defence out. And I think the defence is underperforming and it's players out of form rather than that is the natural level of the defence. You know, they weren't terrible defensively last season and it's pretty it's the same back four that finished last season that finished seventh um so the goalkeeper's changed that's been a big problem but as i've already alluded to i think ainsley pairs will probably be in goal instead of wallstead at the weekend so that's something new that might just solidify things a little bit they just need to build some confidence rovers um you know i've even suggested on our podcast that they should change formation maybe go to a back three um, just to just to build a bit of confidence they they just really need a scrappy one-nil that goes in off someone's backside and a clean sheet, if I'm being honest. Um, so I think I don't think they'll they will get relegated. I don't think they'll get dragged into it, but they've got to do something, they've got to change something, they need a spark from somewhere, and they'll be hoping that happens at the weekend.
0: Yes, it you that know, sounds good. And um, my final question, uh, this is for all of us, bring you back in, Tom. Um, Josh he- Hello, well, he normally asks us to do interpretive dance, however, he's asked us. What's the most important item in a full English breakfast? just uh, Discuss and justify. Uh, and if Blackburn Rovers were a breakfast food item, what would it be? I'll ask you that first, Elliot, because that, that's what the fans want to know. And then we'll discuss our full English uh, important items.
3: I think they would be a croissant because I think they look good on the eye. I think they can, when they're at their bet, when they're fresh, when they're straight out of the oven, <laughs> they're really good, aren't they? We've all, been to, we've all had a little trip to France. We've all been to the bait, walked down to the boulangerie. We've all had a fresh one. Not the same if you go into the shops. If you go into Aldi and get a pack of croissants, not the same. Um, And they can sometimes lack a bit of substance. You can be a bit hungry at 11 o'clock because you've not done And Rovers are a bit like that because sometimes they can be lovely between both boxes, nice on the eye, but they're a bit soft in both penalty boxes, don't have that real punch, don't don't fill you up. Um, So I'm going for a slightly aged croissant.
0: (laughs) Nice. I'm clipping that. That's the oh, tweet line to that we debate, debate Rovers fans with. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So gents, right. Come on. I'll give us, I'll give us two, two, three minutes on this. Uh, most important item in full English and why
2: Tom first? It's a great, it's a, Bloody great question. That I mean, I think your sausage is very integral, it's got to be a very good sausage. (laughs) Clip that, that's a funny little clip. (laughs) Um, yeah, (laughs) and then I'd actually go. I mean, because I mean, you can have a variation of eggs, but I'm a fried egg kind of person, I think if you've got a good fried egg. Then you can't go very wrong because um you've almost got like another sauce there with a the yolk. That's what I always think. It's like if you you might like red sauce, you might like brown sauce, surprise, egg yolk, boom. Egg okay. <laughs> yolk, Uh Elliot, what's the I most don't
3: important... Like eggs. I'm gonna Do you don't like it eggs. Way, no, I know it's poor. Um, it's gotta be a sausage for me. If if I'm thinking what's the if I was looking at the menu, it was like, why is there none of X? It would be like, Why is there not a sausage on that? I like bacon, but sausage is always the star of the show. I love a hash brown. I think that is definitely an underrated. Cupboards that don't have hash browns as standard is very poor. Um, I like a hash brown. But yeah, it's got to be. If you've got a good sausage, that's what elevates the meal, isn't it? That's what elevates your fry up. Um, And now I'm very hungry. Yeah, yeah. Um, Well,
0: if you don't like eggs, I'm going to be a bit controversial. I, I, I don't. I'm not a full English lover. I would never, I would
3: never choose it necessarily. Um, I know, I know. God, this guy. What do you go for if you go out for breakfast? Then are you like a, a an ex Benedict man?
0: I am. Yeah, I just like eggs, man.
3: Um, I don't know. Oh, I just back on the woke train. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the
0: woke agenda. My issue with full English, right, is it's a lot of stuff which is like I'm never. I'm never that hungry in the morning. So that's me. I accept that. And it can bring joy to people. That's fine. But there's a lack of sauce, right? This is what annoys me. It's all very like... Tin
3: tomatoes are for. Tin tomatoes are excellent.
0: Or
2: baked beans as well. Yeah,
0: no, but this is what I mean. So I would probably say it's the baked beans because you get no sauce whatsoever. So you have to use the beans to combine everything. So, I do
3: agree. If you've got toast left and you've run out of sauce, and because I don't have eggs, obviously, whereas Tom's obviously got his yokers back up, that that is a disappointment. I do, I do mm. think so, the sauce element is integral, so you've got to get that balance right.
0: Yeah, this is the thing. I'd much rather like if we're going to talk about um, proper bloke breakfast, because clearly people think I'm a lefty snowflake. I'd much rather have like a black soft sandwich with a bit of a bit of ketchup in there, or you know, like a bacon sandwich. You know, yeah, I just I think can do that.
2: Yeah, but Brady, come on, that wasn't the question, mate. Come on, you do- you're like a politician, do- dodging the question. What is the most integral part? I told you, take beans, man,
0: because <laughs> you need a bit of sauce because it's all just right, meat, okay. meat. It's just like nothing else, Clip that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Josh Caldwell, uh we talked about um, uh, breakfast food items. He said for clarity, he thinks town would be one of those small boxes of cornflakes that are inadequate in volume and very uninspiring.
3: Yeah. yeah. And imagine <laughs> the one, you know, the variety packs you would get, it would be the one that always gets left at the end. Yeah, yeah. Probably like Christie's maybe, I don't know. Yeah,
2: the one that yeah.
3: no one wants. Just normal cornflakes.
0: <laughs> Hang on, Elliot, we can flag them off. You can't, don't you know? <laughs> Sorry, I was just guessing what you might say, it wasn't what Hell I Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, well, we'll see. We'll see. I'm I'm gonna tweet that out actually, because um it's like when we did that, when we played Wigan that time, Tom, and we're like, what's well, everyone's favorite pie? And I think that's the most engagement yeah, we've ever yeah, got ever.
2: Yeah.
0: Good chat. Yeah. So we'll see. But thanks to Josh for that question, and thanks to uh Cam and Joel as well. And thanks to Elliot and Tom for for joining us on this one. Uh Tom and I will be back to preview the next game. Uh I also want to thank Magic Rock our sponsors as always. Don't forget about the code. And yeah, well that'll do it for this week. So ta ta for now and up the town. Ta to
2: town play we bring the car
3: back to order.
1: And there